Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. As as children of God, God has given us his spirit. And he's even given us the very faith to believe him. And notice that it's the glory of God. He's the Lord of glory. This kind of puts it all in the context of of who it is that we're speaking about. The Lord of glory. The Lord of all things. It's not only a descriptor, but it's also a word of accountability for us. He is the Lord of glory. But notice whose faith it is. It's not our own, is it? It says, the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. That faith belongs to God, and God is the one who gives it to us. Did you know that your faith is a gift from God? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing. Today on Truth in Christ, our faith is a gift from God. Hi everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ. Today, Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of James as he teaches from chapter 2. James tells us that we must not take our faith for granted because it is a gift from God who is glorified with our faith. Pastor Rob reminds us that as we stand in God's faith, we should not show partiality regarding others and should always love your neighbor as yourself. Let's listen to Pastor Rob with this important message. Let's open our Bibles to James chapter 2. James, if you remember, we've been in James for uh, about a month now, and we're just getting now to chapter 2. James writing to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, these Jewish believers who, through the persecution, are now spread throughout the known world at that time. What began in Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost is, is now spreading out, and that's just the intention of God. Whenever there is persecution, God fans that flame, if you will, and those flames are spread abroad, and they go different places. And So James is talking to these 12 tribes which have been scattered abroad, and in the first uh, couple of weeks that we've been in this, we, we talked about trials. You know, uh, trials from without and, and temptations from within. We, we, we discussed that and just how every one of us goes through these things. None of us are impervious to trials and temptations. And, and the things that we uh, need to consider in, in, in trials. And this morning we are getting into... James chapter 2, and we're just going to do the first 13 verses, so let me read them to you. He says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there would come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and you say to him, You sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, You stand here, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren. 
Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you will love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, and mercy triumphs over judgment. So we begin to look at favoritism this morning, or bias, or partiality. Those words are synonymous. But let's look at verse 1 again. It says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and you say to him, You sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, You stand here, or sit at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? Notice this first word here in the very first verse. It says, Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. The idea is do not possess the faith of Jesus Christ, and notice it says, the Lord of glory. Do not, do not hold it with partiality. As, child, as children of God, God has given us his spirit, and he's even given us the very faith to believe him. And notice that it's the glory of God. He's the Lord of glory. This kind of puts it all in the context of, of who it is that we're speaking about. The Lord of glory, the Lord of all things. It's not only a descriptor, but it's also a word of accountability for us. He is the Lord of glory. But notice whose faith it is. It's not our own, is it? It says, the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. That faith belongs to God, and God is the one who gives it to us. Did you know that your faith is a gift from God? Grace is a gift of God. I'm so glad that I've received, and I pray that all of you have received the grace of God as a gift. It is a gift. Every moment of our life that I breathe and I take my next breath is a gift from God. I ought to be thankful for that. But so often I can get involved in my life and I forget about these gifts that God gives us. This grace, this mercy. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, it says this, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Notice that. That faith that you've been given is a gift of God. What a wonderful gift. Not of works, lest any man should boast, because we certainly would. If we could boast of anything, we would do it. But it is a free gift to you. God gives you the free gift of faith. And so ask, as we saw in James chapter 1, who gives liberally to all who ask. How often, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how often, or answer this question, Ask yourself in your own heart, how, long, how, how often have you asked the Lord for wisdom? I mean, really pray for wisdom. I don't do it enough, I'll be honest with you, and you're probably no different than I am. Because I just kind of go through, I, I know how to do certain things, and I get accustomed to doing my own thing. 
And it's very nice on the outside, but it shows that I'm not really dependent. I'm not really submitted. I'm not really subservient to God. I got it figured out. I can say, Lord, I've got this. I can take care of this. When in actuality, didn't Jesus say to his disciples, without me you can do nothing? It's the truth. Without him, we cannot do of anything of, of, of eternal significance without him. And so we must give our hearts to him. But notice it's a gift of God. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Notice, for good works, for good works, which God had prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, so showing partiality as, as our topic for today is a partiality is not a good work. It's actually an evil work. When we show partiality to someone, we are basically giving ourselves into, we're giving into our own, our own heart's attitudes. In fact, the word partiality means this. It's respecter of persons. Jesus said that he's not a respecter of persons. And in the original language, it actually has a, an interesting meaning. It says receiving of the face. When you approach somebody, you, we immediately size them up. We immediately look at them and we size them up. We have all kinds of things going through our minds by the way they dress, by the way they talk, by the way they hold themselves. We come to conclusions pretty quickly. And we make our judgments and we pigeonhole them. And even the context in which they are located even the context, and we'll look at that later. But this receiving of the face, you're, you're looking at them, and it's not a good thing. We, we look at people, and we just kind of size them up. And every one of us does it. And it doesn't require faith at all. It's just looking and being very natural, looking in the natural. But see, God wants to give us a different heart, a different uh, vision, different eyes to see, to see people as he sees them. There are four other times in the New Testament that this word partiality comes up, and we're only going to look at two of them. In Romans chapter 2, verse 6, it says, who will, Speaking of God, he says, Who will render to each one according to his deeds? Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Tribulation and anguish on every soul who does evil, on the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good. Notice that. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. And here it is, verse 11. For there is no partiality with God. God does not look upon people and sees them as one being better than the other. He sees us all equal. That's why our Constitution, you know, our the Founding Fathers, the, these documents that we hold in our country, for we... And these, this is self-evident, you know, uh, that all have, are created equal. We all are. We are all created equal. And God sees us as children. In Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, it says this, concerning slaves and, and masters. He says, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and with trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you, masters, do the same things to them. Giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven. And here it is. And there is no partiality with him. 
So as God is not partial, we also ought not to be partial with one another. And you know, we don't always like the idea of, of a slave and a, and, a, and a slave owner because in our country, in the 18th and 19th century, there, you know, there's just been this awful thing about slavery. And it's horrible. It's a, it's a really bad thing. But back at this time, what would happen is if I owed somebody something and I was not able to pay the debt, I would go to that man and say, you know, I can't pay the debt, but what I can do is I can serve in your fields. I can do whatever you want me to do to pay off that debt. And really, that's what we do today. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs, it says, The rich borrows, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And so we are all, in a sense, are indebted to something, even today. We are servants to those who our mortgage belongs to, the banks. What would happen if one day, and again, I'm not condoning this kind of idea, but do you realize that if the bank was to say, you know what, we, we really don't need your money it's no good to us anymore. But what we do need to, for people to pick up around the grounds of the banks and stuff like that, we need you guys to help out in these projects. And then we would, and that's how you're going to pay off the debt. That's how you're going to pay off, help pay off your mortgage, your car loan. And we would be like, okay, I'd rather pay the money. Okay. And so God doesn't, have a, uh, doesn't seem to have a problem with that. But masters, we have to be very kind and we have to be impartial. Those of you who are shop owners or the owners of a business, the impetus is on you to be fair, to be kind, for you have a master in heaven as well. But bias or partiality is hard for any of us to overcome. Isn't it true? And it's only by the Spirit of God that we are able to show any impartiality, but it really takes fortitude. Because we are all affected by bias. And that's what partiality is. You're being partial. You're looking at somebody else. But it means a denial of the natural and putting on of the supernatural. Because in and of yourself, you are not able to be impartial. Every one of us is partial. We, we grew up with it. Our very uh, nature, it's, it's ingrained in us. And that's why James here is really encouraging these new believers. Because it was a problem for them too. They would walk into a room and see somebody come in with fancy clothing and they would immediately fawn over him and think that he's got something great to say or, or, or yield to them. Impartiality or bias, it shows itself in many different forms. You know, we see it in families. You know, we are more apt to trust someone in our own family before anyone else, and yet it may be the family member that proves to be untrustworthy or even criminal. Have you ever noticed family businesses? You're partial to have a family member be a part of your business, only to discover years later that they've been siphoning money here and there, little by little, and now they've got this huge account in the Caymans, and they're, they're, they're doing this. And, and yet we bypassed another trustworthy soul because of our family. So we can show bias or, or partiality in that way, even in friendships and acquaintances. You know, we're more apt to be partial to those who are friends or acquaintances. You know, they know us. They know us better. They know our hearts. And because they are a friend, we feel safe in entrusting things to them. And we tend to naturally be partial to them. Or what about business partners? Koinonia is the word we use for a real uh, a business partnership. And because someone is vested financially with you, you tend to prefer them. And so often we can get into trouble if, we're, if we are partial. 
or personality. Have you been partial because of a personality? You may be partial to someone who has a personality that more resembles that of your own. And you're partial to them only to realize because of this, and you have more, as you have more dealings with them, that you, they drive you crazy. And why is that? Because they are just like you. They're like, they're, they're, they, they have a personality like you. And so you drive each other crazy and you find yourself hating what you see in the other person when it's really just a reflection of you. You know, opposites attract. I love how God uses that in Scripture. You know, if I was partial to my own nature, my own personality, I would have married somebody just like me. And believe me, my life would be a wreck if I did. But I'm so glad that God used someone who is completely different than I am. Have you noticed that in your own marriages? Opposites attract, and yet people try so hard to get a match, just like them. And then you find yourself in divorce court. Or you find yourself angry with each other. So we have to be careful that even our personality, that we don't um, let that get in the way. Or what about political bias? This is one that's really red hot today. In politics, why does everything seem to be partisan now? Our country's a mess because it seems that even things that are good and right to do are being ignored or attacked just because the other team, whoever that is, is doing it or suggesting it. And we've allowed our political views or our partiality in politics to divide us. So whatever your political view, remember that you are a Christian first. I don't want to talk about politics, especially up here. I don't even really care to talk about it at all. Because it's dividing people right now. We need to come together and love one another. And especially if you're a Christian, forget about all that stuff and let's focus on the main thing, regardless of what you hold to. But let Christ take you completely over, the very Spirit of God. And may all of our decisions in every area of our life, politically and personally and everything else, let that be the thing that guides you and directs you and that forms your character Let Jesus form your character and gives you the right attitude towards certain views, certain issues in our culture. And let's just forget about all the other stuff. Amen? It's a problem. It's a problem. And be aware of double standards. You know, they're all over the place. What's good for one is not good for the other. So we have to be careful of that. So in all these things... There's been betrayals and problems, but like I said, as a child of God, we have to be led by the Spirit of God and use wisdom. So we need to be careful that we don't judge a book by its cover. That's actually the name, the title of this morning's message. And if you would, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. This is a passage that we know very well. And here we see partiality because of age and occupation, at the very least. We're going to look at the very first... um, 13 verses, 1 Samuel chapter 16, says in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. But the Lord says, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you 
what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said, and he went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, because when a, 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 a prophet comes to your town, it wasn't usually a good thing. <laughs> and yet, uh, so Samuel understands this. And so the people in the town will say, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. And he says, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord, verse 5. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. So then he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. And so it was, verse 6, when they came, that he looked on Eliab. This is the eldest, the eldest son of Jesse. He looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So Samuel, like us, is no different. We size up the situation in the natural, and we immediately say, well, that must be the guy. He's the oldest. He's the next in line. He's the heir, really, of, of Jesse. Really, he, he, He'd be the firstborn. So it must be him. He's tall, handsome. Got to be him. But the Lord said to Samuel, verse 7, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Aren't you glad that God looks at your heart rather than your outward appearance? We very rarely do that with each other. My encouragement to you this morning is, is, is obvious. You know, we need to get beyond looking at the cover of the book. You know, when I look at it in the bookstore and I look at covers of books, that's the first thing that attracts my eye. And if it attracts my eye, I'm more willing, more susceptible to pull that book up off the shelf and look at the first, look at the table of contents, see what the book is about. But if the cover is blain and blab and drab, probably won't pick it up. So you get the point? We've been accustomed to this sort of thing all of our lives. It's, it's inherent in everything, in advertising. That's what advertising is all about. Get their eye and then draw them in, right? But you and I have to resist that because there are people out there who on the outward appearance, you would think they have nothing to offer. They are of no value to me, no value to society, and yet you can't see in their heart. And I love it in instances in my life where God rebukes me in this way. And I, I'm, I keep learning the same lesson over again. Have you learned that lesson? Or are you learning it like me? I'm still learning it. Because I'm, I'm often surprised when it happens. And there is some stereotype that's real. There, stereo, stereotypes are that, that can be real. But I also need to be careful because I can't just pigeonhole everything as we so easily do when we see a person, when we see a situation, we immediately put it in a bucket based on our past experiences and our um, things that we've observed in our own life. But we must be careful with that. So verse 8, So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. So Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? And then he said, There remains yet the youngest. <laughs> you can almost hear the voice. There, you know, there is someone else, you know. And there he is, keeping the sheep. So they're all standing there, all the sons, and Samuel's looking. They're looking over in the field, and they're looking over there next to the foot of the mountain. They see this young guy. Who? Who's that? Shepherds weren't really looked up to. They were looked down upon. He's just a servant. He's just out there with all the sheep, picking out the gnats and the bugs from their coats. Who's this? 
Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Verse 12, so he sent and brought him in. Now, as, now he was a ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of James. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, this has been Truth in Christ.